This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 40 of The Roundtable. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Mark Carrig and only Mark Carrig. Uh, Andy McCullough is on assignment. Uh, he is, he's like interviewing Matt Carpenter's mustache, right? Like, what's he doing? What, what is he really he, doing? No, he's, he's on the veranda with Lorenzo Cain. It's that time of year. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah, Andy is the glue. And I make an official motion to never refer to Andy as the glue of the podcast again. Yeah, he's um, given that up. He's, he's old paste, and uh, this classroom is tired of tasting it. Uh, Were you a paste know. eater? Were you, well, you strike me as a paste eater. You did, didn't you? Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't think so, though. No, I wasn't. I was a boisterous kid, but I wasn't, I wasn't the, uh, the total weirdo. I was just like the, the class clown, if you can uh, believe it. That's, that's hard to believe. Yeah. It's hard to All believe. All right, well, today we're talking NL West, which is good, because I don't have to do research. Technically, I never have to do research, but uh, this one I'm really prepared for. How well do you feel like you've got a handle on the NL West, Mark? Try me. Let's go. I think I know where all the teams are, so that's Yeah, name, good. name a single team. Well, let's see. The um, Atlanta Braves are out there still, right? Oh, no, no. 93, Sorry. man. Whew, that was a divisional race. No, we're talking about uh, the NL West, which is a division that's near and dear to my heart. It is, uh, I think, going to be one of the best divisions. Uh, I think the NL East has a ton going for it. I do enjoy some of the other divisions. The NL East has a ton going for it. I'm really compelled by Dodgers, Padres. And I this podcast, is, I'm going to hammer this point home. Don't forget about the Diamondbacks. Stop! Get out of my mind! Yeah, but there's really no good place for the Rockies. Like, you start at the top... And then you go down and then you end with the Rockies. No one's happy with that. We start with the Rockies. We, we're hemorrhaging listeners. Everyone's logging off because we're talking about, I don't know who their cleanup hitter is, Ryan Spillbores. Uh, so, like, where do you want to put the Rockies? You want to do it at the end? I mean, I want to put him in AAA. <laughs> relegation. <laughs> I mean, they're like the case for relegation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh. And it's frustrating. You know, Denver's, I think, a great sports town. Yes. And I think those folks really care about the Rockies. When they're interesting, they come out. It is a great baseball town. I've always loved coming through there. I think the ballpark is wonderful. The city is wonderful. The fans are into it. You know, I think they've just been beaten down by this. And when you look at what they're running out there, it's hard not to feel beaten down by it you know especially when you look up at the other teams in the division we were, we were just talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks I mean 
Diamondbacks have got some really good players, a bunch of them, actually, right? Like, and and that's your fourth best team in the league. And the, I don't think the Colorado Rockies are particularly close. I'm not even sure what the plan is moving forward, which is the other part of this. It's not even that they're not very good right now. I think teams have competitive windows, in fairness. It's just I'm not quite sure what the plan moving forward is here. And I think if you're a fan in Denver or of the Rockies, it, it, it is tough sledding right now. You don't even know what direction they're going in. My old esteemed uh, colleague, Rob Nyer, he said his favorite ballpark in baseball is Coors Field. And that's coming from a guy who can, like, tell you what the concession stands at the Baker Bowl were selling. You know, like, he knows <laughs> his history. He knows ballparks. And he's been all around the country seeing ballparks. And he says, uh, Coors Field, that's it. That's the best one. I love that ballpark to its core. And the fans come out. The fans come out for bad teams. It's an event. It's right downtown. It's just a part of that city. But I've written about this. I've talked about it on the podcast a lot. This is going to be something I'm just going to hammer into the ground because it's, to me, the single truth about Rockies baseball is their job is twice as hard as any other team. They have to figure out baseball, which is impossible. Then they have to figure out physics, which is also impossible. They have to figure out how to build a team around an outfield that's 16 acres deep, but also the, the balls fly out over the yard. They've tried sinker ballers. They've tried fly ball pitchers. They've tried piggyback starters. They have tried six-man rotations. They've tried this. They've tried that. It's just too hard to deal with. And then you add in, you've got one of those owners that kind of the, the buck stops here owners where they're going to have a say and they're going to say, this guy stays, this guy goes. Uh, that's not great because it's very rare that you get one of those owners who helps Right, I think the the Warriors have one. That's our Warriors mention because Andy's gone. Ding ding. Um, but but they're not a they're not a baseball team. So <laughs> I I think the Rockies have just a terrible time of it. And how can you blame them? I almost don't want to spend too much time on it because it's depressing. Like if you're a Rockies fan, like it's no fun to sit here and be like, yeah, the team is not very good. They're not going to be good for quite some time. We don't see a path to them being very good in a while. So. But that's sort of the situation they're faced with, which is really unfortunate because I think the franchise and the city, and I mean, there's a lot going for it, right? And we've talked about that. There is a lot going for it if they were just able to figure it out. And in fairness, I mean, Grant, I know I've heard you say that many times, and, and it's, it's true every single time. They're having to figure out some big picture things on parallel tracks, baseball, physics, right? Very difficult. But unfortunately for them, they keep making all the unforced errors too. When you do that, right, like you've got two big time challenges, obviously, one of which, you know, doesn't apply to every club in baseball, right? The physics part is unique to them, but also the, the unforced errors that they seem to make. Um, the Nolan Arenado trade I just think about, and it's just, it looks even worse, right? Like it looked terrible at the time, and it looks even worse now, and it's just hard to see them as anything but bereft of direction. That, that's the issue here. It's bereft of direction. It reminds me of the Detroit Tigers. Like we've looked at the Tigers have been seemingly rebuilding forever. And at, at, but at least now, with the changes they made in the front office, it looks like they've got some kind of direction. And I think the Rockies are still waiting for that. Yeah, the unforced heirs, for example, like Daniel Bard, uh, seems like a uh, salt of the earth dude, good dude. You, you don't 
sign 37 it's bad business cl- closers to long-term deals that doesn't move the, the uh, yeah so there's that you've got their analytics department has been gutted and you can see it it's hilarious when you pull up a list of the teams uh how many shifts they did last year you got the dodgers at the top the dodgers are shifting 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 every batter and then you've got 29th place is i don't know who they are i can't remember but it's a team that shifts a, you know a little bit a decent amount and they've got the rockies who just don't shift they just generally don't shift, and I think that's because they don't have the intern pushing the buttons to see who they should shift for. I don't know, man. And my hot take is that this roster has, it's not the worst roster in baseball, and I don't think it's especially close to the worst roster in baseball. I think there are enough major leaguers on it. You've got uh, Marquez and Kyle Freeland. Like, you've got guys who should be in the major leagues throughout the roster, but they didn't sign a single free agent. This offseason, major league free agent. I think that's true. Uh, maybe I dreamt that. But no, seriously, like that is no help is coming from outside. And Chris Bryant signed there and he spent most of the season hurt. And obviously, the best predictor of future injury is past injury. It's hard to see this guy all of a sudden just posting all the time. And even if he does, right? Like he's, you know, north of 30. I know you get the cores of fact that helps out a little bit, obviously. But I just don't know if you're ever going to see anything close to the player he used to be, right? And and that that's just a tough thing where who's their like projected war leader right now? Is it Ryan McMahon? So, I mean, that's that's tough. It's it's tough sledding when you've got again, I think four other organizations that are doing things really well. And and I put the Arizona Diamondbacks in there. I think you and I are in agreement there, Grant. Maybe this is a segue there cuz I'm kind of tired of burying <laughs> the, the poor Rockies, but like You know, on the opposite end of this, I think it's admirable that the Arizona Diamondbacks have accumulated a bunch of quality ballplayers, despite the fact that they are staring up at, this is like a very steep mountain to try to climb and sneak in and sneak around some of these, these, you know, Goliaths in their division. But man, I I think they've done a really nice job. This happened quickly. Do you remember what their record was in 2021? (sighs) God, 2021, oh, they were bad, weren't they? Like 95 losses? They were 52 and 110. Damn, it was that bad. Oh, my God. And, like, we're talking, that's when when we came of age on the internet as far as baseball fans. Like, remember those Astros teams and how fascinating they were? They were just so bad. They were getting that, zero local TV rating? Like, literal yeah, 0.0. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's where the Arizona Diamondbacks were a couple years ago. Which is crazy, because in 19, I feel like they flirted with, like, competence for most of the year. 85 and 77. Yeah, like they, they were, were they're okay. Like they'd play that middle ground. They didn't push all the way in. They didn't burn it down. And they hung around and hung around and hung around. I remember them coming out east late in the season and thinking, oh my gosh, they're still in like arm's reach of this thing. Like they were a little out of it, but like not, it was starting to kind of come apart, but it wasn't all the way there yet. And you could still see it turning around. I remember thinking, that's pretty darned impressive to get here like this. And then as memory serves, we, you know, we saw it all kind of go the other way there for a while. Yeah, when they signed Madison Bumgarner, it wasn't like a, you know, what are they doing? It was, oh, okay. That's a win-now move for a team that needs a few more pieces in the rotation. Uh, they need this, they need that. The pandemic did them pretty dirty. But I also will say that 2021, they weren't as bad as that. It was uh, injury. It was uh, snake bites. It was... Uh, 
I think if I look up their Pythagorean, yeah, they were like 10 games unlucky. So they weren't that bad, but it's still impressive that we're talking about them before the 2023 season as, I don't know, man. Like to me, they're, they're the National League Orioles where you just, you want to watch them. But the difference I think with uh, the Diamondbacks is they've got in the rotation pitchers who can be dudes. And so if you have these this young wave coming up and you have pitchers who uh, continue doing what they're doing, you get some uh, support there. I don't, I'm not saying division. I'm not even saying wild card. I'm just saying don't take them lightly. I wouldn't because you've got Zach Gallon anchoring that rotation like you just talked about. That's such a big time difference maker. Now, the rest of the rotation got question marks, right? Like it gets thin awfully fast. Madison Bumgarner, God only knows where, where how that's going to play out. You know, that's the stage of the career that he's in, and he's had a wonderful career. But like the reality is, it's hard to tell what you're going to have there. But Zach Gallon is, you know, the pitcher that everyone should know that you know isn't quite that name yet. But if you watch this guy, you look at the results, you watch his growth, his maturity. Great competitor, great pitcher, and man, like he. You can dream on a team if you've got somebody holding a rotation together. And in my book, Zach Gallon is that guy. Like, he is that good. I think he's proven that already. I think he's going to maintain that level. And I think it's one of the reasons why, if you squint a little bit with these guys, it's not crazy, right? Like, it's not. You said this a couple of weeks ago, and like I was like, Am I, the, I hope I'm not the only one. And you're just like, yeah, Arizona's, the, you know. I think he even used that comp, the Baltimore Orioles of the National League. It's a pretty good comp. I mean, obviously, they're, I think they're better than the Baltimore Orioles, right? Because, again, we just talked about Gallon. That's the biggest difference is that you've got a legitimate, and I think he's an ace in the sport or, or right there. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things to like. I, I think, you know, adding Guriel from Toronto, like that, that was a good move. Um, you know, bolstered their lineup. Like, there's a lot of interesting things here. I think Christian Walker right? Like guy hits a bunch of bombs and it's almost like you don't even like think about it and you look up and there it is again. Like he's got 30 bombs or whatever. Like there's some pieces in this lineup, man. There are. And, and I think totally an interesting team to keep your eye on, despite the fact they do. They've got obviously a very, very difficult mountain to climb, but a lot of good ball players. Would you say that Zach Gallen has got that dog in him? <laughs> I just want to make an excuse to point out that I'm recording this with there two dogs on my lap. So uh, Zach Allen's got that dog in him. I've got two dogs on me. Seamless. But no, I, I agree. The one thing, I was looking up a bunch of stats uh, about the new rules for my day job. And I found out that Zach Allen makes like twice as many pickoff throws to first as any other pitcher in baseball. Really? Like that guy is a pickoff machine. Like, I'm not going to say, like, that's going to screw him up. ERA in the fives because his rhythm's off. No, that's not how that works. But it's just a reminder that we're heading into a season where there's going to be just so much chaos because who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe he just thrives on rhythm and and routine. And now all of a sudden he's in his own head because he can't pick off runners like he used to. I don't know. It's fast. Like, that kind of stuff is fascinating. But when I look at them, I just see Corbin Carroll and what a tremendous talent he is. And to have someone with, when you have someone like that, where the floor is, he's just going to get every single ball in a very big outfield. That's his floor. He, maybe he struggles offensively learning the, the National League. Maybe there's going to be an adjustment period. But in the interim, 
he's going to be one of those guys that does every little baseball thing well. And you're watching him going, wow, that guy, he's the fastest cat in baseball. Wow, that guy can really go out and get it. And then you realize, well, he also has MVP potential with his bat. So I'm fascinated by him. He's To me, he's the Adley of, of the National League, just to keep that Orioles <laughs> comparison going. Like, I just want to watch him all the time. And that happened quick. I think that's the Diamondbacks were so bad, they got themselves a, a few uh, uh, high-round picks. But there's a difference between getting those picks and all of a sudden you've got Corbin Carroll in the majors a couple of years later. So they're, they're in good position, man. Dude, I mean, we've talked a little bit about rule changes already. And one of the things I'm fascinated by is seeing which of these players can really capitalize on some of these rules. And, like, there are dudes on this roster where if they're allowed to run more, I think all of a sudden they change the dynamic of the game. And, if, and obviously Corbin Carroll's one of them, right? Like, you, you can see this guy making something out of, you know, the incentivizing of trying to take a ba- base, Right. And, and not even just stealing bags. I think like teams like the Diamondbacks, what, what they've got to do when, you know, you look up and there are other teams that have like, you know, more talent is that you've got to do things like run the base as well. It's taking extra bases, that sort of thing. And you look at the age, the, the, the skill set of some of these players. Not hard to see that happening on a nightly basis and them being a pain in the ass for clubs that aren't like paying attention, who aren't ready to go. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons that this team is fascinating. I'm glad that we're talking about them a bit here because like, it's really easy to look at this division and think, oh my God, it's a heavyweight fight between San Diego and LA. And, and you look more or less, it will be. But I think these dudes can make some things interesting. So yeah, it's, it, that's, that's fun to me. As someone who is obligated to watch 160 Giants games, give or take, every year, I am (laughs) so happy that there is no unbalanced schedule because I feel like I'll be able to appreciate the Diamondbacks more as a team to watch, as a team that is doing fun baseball things. Whereas before, man, when you're on your 17th Giants-Diamondbacks game, forget about it. I don't care how good they are. It's just you're sick of them. Not Uh, as a baseball fan, but as someone who is, uh, you know, carving out two and a half, three hours a night to watch baseball. It's like, okay, Merrill Kelly, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, good to see you again. You know, having covered the Yankees all those years, right? Like seeing the Red Sox again and again (laughs) and again. And like, yeah, some of it was that the the games would be plotting, right? Just because of the way they were built. Like that's the way, they were wars of attrition. But I think just like anything else, a little bit of scarcity adds to the intrigue. And I think, you know, Giants-Dodgers, obviously same kind of deal there, right? Where like you want that little bit of scarcity back. Like I know we're doing an NL West preview and we're we're focused on there, but we're going to talk a little ball. Like, man, I love what I'm seeing so far. The rule changes, the pace, some of the strategy that teams are trying to like figure out. You know, Max Scherzer did a cool interview. I think it was with Tim Britton about just how he's like trying to figure out these rules. He's figuring out pace and rhythm and throwovers and like whatever. You know, and, and I think, man, it's cool to see the players just like, you know, they don't have a choice, obviously, but like they are trying to figure this out. And I think what's going to come out is going to be very interesting here. Like I, we're going to have these crisper games. And so to your point, the scarcity, you know, having that unbalanced schedule, I think 
makes the division races a lot more intriguing. Those games just feel so much more important, the head-to-heads. With the new rules, uh, one guy I was watching is Camilo Duvall, the Giants' closer, because he's one of the slowest relievers in baseball. And there's this idea that some of the relievers who are the slowest in baseball, it's because they're humping up and, and gathering their energy to throw that triple-digit fastball. Uh, Camilo Duvall had his spring outing, he, and he was pitch clock perfect. And his fastball was hot. He was striking dudes out. So I'm looking for that. And mostly I'm mentioning him. Uh, mostly I'm mentioning him as a segue, because we're going to move on to uh, I think our consensus third team, which is the Giants. So I talk about the Giants for a living. So I want to start with you as an outside perspective. What are you seeing with the Giants? I covered Michael Conforto for a couple of years. If that guy is okay, like if he's right, right, and, and shoulders are tricky and all this stuff, and he's had that for a while. But if he's right, dang, he can hit. He can hit. Like he could, that, that's a huge wild card, I feel like, for the San Francisco Giants. Is, is If Michael Conforto is anything close to what he had been, that's a really nice addition, really nice addition. Obviously, there's risk-reward there, all that stuff. We know what the history's been. Um, it's been a rough go. Um, but I always felt like he was an advanced hitter. And I think that that could serve him well, you know, changing teams, seeing, you know, like I think, you know, he's been hurt and all that, but he knows his swing so well. He's a good baseball player. And if there's someone who could figure it out after going through what he's gone through, it's Michael Conforto. That could be a huge add. Um, you know, Logan Webb, we were just talking about the Diamondbacks. If you got someone that's going to be that guy, you never write those teams off. What what I'm worried about looking at the Giants is like, you know, Carlos Rodon is pretty doggone good for them. So what's after Logan Webb right now, right? And so like that, that, that we got, you know, Stripling, they added Sean Manaya, like that. There's some names there, but like that's still a big time question mark. Are they going to cover enough ground defensively, right? Because I think the staff is like a lot more contact oriented now that they've changed over. Speaking of not having Redone anymore, the ball is going to be in play more. So again, do they have the roster where they're never, I think, the way they're built ever going to be like great defensively. But what you wonder is like, are they going to play clean ball? Or at least make the plays they need to make and to make up for the fact they're not going to be the rangiest club, right? And are they going to hit enough? Because like that's the trade-off, isn't it? That they're constantly trying to hit more, right? And it, at the expense of, they're okay with the trade-off is the point. So that's, the, from an outsider's view, I think it's an interesting team, all right? And, and, and there's going to be a lot of attention paid to the players they don't have, right? I, I know that, and like that's and it's totally fair. But... You know, I was reading something that Baggerly wrote about them semi-recently. And, you know, if you look at how they're trying to win now, like, it's not that much different than they tried a couple of years ago. And it worked out pretty damn well, right? So, you know, and this is another thing. If you look at the top three teams in this division, I think the Dodgers and, and Giants in particular, there's some young players that are going to come into play here. Like, if, if they're going to do what they're going to do or, or want to do, some kids are going to have to step up. So, you know, and, and I think the Giants certainly have some intriguing players there. So from the outside, right, I think they're going to get hammered for the offseason, and, and it's very easy to do that. That said, you look at the names on this roster, there's good major league players here. They got a staff ace. They got some dudes you can hit. Yeah, they've got their warts. But I'm not looking at the Giants as like a lost cause or whatever. I think they could be real interesting in this division. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely-there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash theathletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. I feel like fans, especially Giants fans, talk about them as if they weren't 81 and 81 last year. Because to go from 81 and 81, to go from 500 to 90 and 72 is not that uh, onerous. Like teams can do that year to year just by virtue of, hey, wow, this guy's better than I thought. I do want to point that out. I will say, if you showed me that roster, the, or the current roster, you go back to the uh, start of the offseason, you hand me this roster, and you say, this is the Giants heading into spring training. What do you think? I'll say, uh, okay, 
uh, they could have used a star. I'm assuming that Judge re-signed with uh, the Yankees. I'm assuming that they tried for other stars and couldn't get them. Okay, that happens. Free agency is not like Costco. You don't just go in and pick a six-pack of stars <laughs> up. Like So you're looking down, okay, well, Jock Peterson with the qualifying offer, okay, maybe they're optimistic that he'll uh, thrive under the no-shift rules. you got Conforto. That's a good buy low, a high-ceiling guy. Uh, okay, J.D. Davis is back. Gray, uh, Mitch Hanniger, that's another high-ceiling guy, buy low. Uh, Stripling, Manaya. Yeah, Taylor Rogers to, to get literal twins in the bullpen. Yeah, you know what? This isn't bad. This isn't bad. Like, that's not bad considering the circumstances. But the Giants had Aaron Judge for seven minutes, and they had Carlos Correa for a week. Right, you have seven minutes between John Heyman's tweet of Arson Judge and and then the, the the sort of like actually I'm not I'm hearing different things. So there's seven minutes where the Giants fans are just like boom, their brains are exploding. But then there's a week of Correa, and that just you can't come back from that offseason. That is just uh, do you know the the uh, the just one goat joke? I'm not gonna tell it here, but it's a. Uh, <laughs> It's a, Paul McCartney does a version of this joke. So search Paul McCartney, just one goat joke, right? And it's sort of like that where that's all you're going to be known for is just, you know, like you, you, you can do a lot of things and they all might make sense, but you, you screw up some of the big names and that's what your offseason are remembered for. I'm cautiously optimistic about their chances. I think we're going to get into the Dodgers and Padres, and we know why they're favored to be 1-2 in some permutation. But the Giants, the biggest asset for me this this offseason, and I talked about this with Bags on our podcast yesterday, the biggest change for me is that this front office and this coaching staff is allowed to communicate with these players in the offseason. They can go to Alex Cobb and they can say, listen, your fastball splitter was devastating last year, but here's what we think you can do in this quadrant. And Cobb is smart enough to go like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Like, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Last season, they couldn't do that. Last offseason, because of the lockout, they couldn't talk to the players who were hurt. They couldn't talk to Brandon Belt and be like, hey, how you feeling? Uh, maybe uh, we could work on this. Oh, that's a little tight. Oh, here's something that can help with that. They couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And not only could they not do that with Belt and Crawford and all those players, but the Mets couldn't do it with Conforto, right? The Mariners couldn't do it with Hanniger. None of these teams could talk to their players and help them be healthy, help them be the best versions of, the, of themselves. Bags was talking about J.D. Davis. His hand was screwed up all year until the end. And he says, it changed my swing. It wasn't natural. It's why I had like this weird combination of high exit velocity, but I kept missing strikes in the zone. It's going to be different in a lot of ways for everyone. I'm not just saying the Giants, but the teams that are good at getting information, getting data sets to their players and have players who are receptive to that kind of coaching, uh, I think they'll be improved. So I'm looking for teams like the Rays, I'm looking for teams like the Giants, teams that are just like information hungry and generally good at distilling it. It's going to be different. We're talking about rule changes, but the no lockout thing is a big deal too. Man, that's a great point, especially when, right, the, the running joke with the Giants is that their coach-to-player ratio is like one-to-one, <laughs> right? Like right. They, they got more coaches than anybody. But certainly the reason that happens is that as an organization, they obviously understand the importance of touch points with their players. They obviously understand the importance of having coaches that can develop relationships, communicate the way you're talking about. And so 
yeah, every club in baseball went through that same restrictions. But you could make the argument that none were hurt more than the Giants, given the resources that they've devoted toward that. And I think they have. Like All I've seen is how good they are at, about it. That's all I've heard. So certainly they probably felt it a bit more. So I, that's a great point by you guys, that, that mm-hmm. having that communication open for the entire offseason, probably a big deal for a club that obviously values it a lot. Now that I've uh, said that the Giants aren't going to be that bad and they might actually be kind of good, we're still looking at a National League that has the Braves, the Mets, Phillies, Cardinals, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres, and I'll throw the Diamondbacks in there. So you have eight teams with them. Um, in that at least wild card chase, some of them are obviously going to win the division. Can they be better than three of those teams, four of those teams? I was told there's no math, but can they make the the wild card? Can they be better than like the Phillies, right? Can they be better uh, than the Brewers? That's going to be the question because it's not chasing the Dodgers, I don't feel like. Um, I don't, I'm not seeing a repeat of 2021. That's a, that's a beautiful butterfly and it's not coming back. Can you see them being better than the Phillies or the Brewers? Yes, I can. Yeah, I can. You know, more so the Brewers and the Phillies, I would say. But yeah, I, I think totally could see them being in the mix. And, and that's because, you know, you've got some players here where if, if they hit their upside, they come back from injury or whatever, like they just look more like what they have been, then yeah, you could totally see it. Move to improve the bullpen, right? Getting the other Rogers brother in there, uh, I think has a domino effect. And you're going to see that as the season goes along. You know, you talked about Doval earlier. That's obviously a huge benefit to him. It takes a little bit of heat from there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I can totally see that. Isn't that what this is designed to be, by the way, Grant? Right? Like that you're, you're, you set up the playoffs this way. You expand the playoffs this way so that clubs exactly in the position of the San Francisco Giants can be within arm's reach of getting into the dance. Like it or not, right, I think we've, we've talked about this, like you can say that it cheapens it, cheapens a playoff berth and all this stuff. Look, the league wanted more teams involved. They got it, right? And so that's the system we're in, and I think the Giants can certainly be one of those clubs. Still hate it. Still hate the extra playoff team. Uh, now I'm kind of used to it, though. You know what I mean? Like talking to it, it's 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 not as offensive. I guess that's how it always works. Like one second you're like, oh, the Guardians. What kind of name is that? That's boring. <laughs> and then the next you're like, yeah. So the Guardians have this roster, and like, yeah, there's the normal team. And that's and, it. Right. Yeah, and that and that's it. You're used to it. I, I wrote a whole big old honking article about that. You just get used to the like the Phillies. Phillies. What's that name? Come on. Is it short for Philadelphia? It's the dumbest name in sports, but we're used to it. Oh, yeah, come at me. The Phillies. The, come on, man. The the Houston Husies. The the Miami Miamis. Like, what? Well, come on, man. The Phillies. But we're all used to it. You know, it's like, it's it's great. You know, it's... Uh, should I not upset Philadelphia fans? Are they like... Are they a different breed? They throw batteries, so I wouldn't... <laughs> Certainly wouldn't drive a rental car over there. Uh, All right, let's move to, uh, see, we've done this kind of like in an organic order where we start Rockies, and then you move to the Diamondbacks, and then it's the Giants. This is just the natural uh, progression of things. Who do we go to next? Who is this number two? Uh, Andy, or Glue, thinks the Padres are going to win the division. Uh, I'm 
Let's talk about the Dodgers. Let's talk about the Dodgers. I think... Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's add some breaking news about the Dodgers right now, though, first, which is terrible. Gavin oh, Lux no. has a torn ACL. Nah. Just came out. So expected to be out for the year. So we're on YouTube and, and, and we're using this new program. And producer Brian just <laughs> put a breaking yeah. news Chiron up. You got to put developing situation. That, that's, that's my new favorite one. But yeah, in all seriousness, that is a brutal, brutal, brutal injury for them. Tough for Gavin Lux, too. I mean, just for, for, the, for the player. I mean, he, I thought like he had a really nice year last year. You could see him improve right you could see him figuring things out and like you know I, i've seen him references like you know what the hype was compared to what he may be like they might not ever line up but this is still an above average offensive player in the major leagues last year and obviously the dodgers thought well enough of him to entrust him with that position to go play shortstop but yeah now they're gonna have to go to their backup plan because he's out for the year which is terrible if gavin lux is your prospect disappointment then you gotta shut up, man, because that he's good. He's, he's a really good, good player. Yeah. He's yeah. a good player. And yeah, so okay, he wasn't an MVP candidate right away, but man, like he's a good player. That sucks. I cannot stand, especially when it's a young player. Just and he's ready to. You know, he's coming into this season with. Uh, he's full of beans because he knows that he's going to have an everyday position. He's not going to be uh, platooned or moved around. You know, he's not going to be screwing around in the outfield and stuff like that. The Dodgers, look, they still they have depth. I still am picking them to win the West, even without Gavin Lux. I still think that someone's going to come up, whether it's Diego Cartaya or Bobby Miller or Ryan Pepio. Someone's just going to like show up and be, oh, hello, I'm great. Like all of a sudden, one second I'm not thinking about Walker Bueller, and the next second it's Walker Bueller is a badass. And the Dodgers are the kind of team that when Walker Bueller gets hurt, they still have. I don't know if it's the best ERA in like 50 years or since 1968, but they had one of the best team ERAs ever without Walker Bueller, without Trevor Bauer. They're just just going through pitchers and, oh, well, yeah, we're just going to weaponize Brett Anderson, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that's fine. Andrew Haney, yeah, he's, he's great now, by the way. They're going to keep doing that, and I, that's the secret of the Dodgers. They are trusting in that because they did not have the most aggressive offseason. I don't know if they're preparing for a big Otani push. I don't know what uh, the issue is there, but they have the ability to make players better and do it consistently and reliably. They have a great eye for talent. And so right now on the Fangraphs depth chart, you have Miguel Rojas at shortstop. Just got an, an extension. Uh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. You know, I, I think they'll make him better. I think they'll make him better than they, they thought that they were going to get from the Marlins. So, Well, I mean, he's been a steady major leaguer, you know, in a place where it's easy to kind of lose track of him. So been a, a leader in their clubhouse too, by the way, in Miami. You could do worse than for that to be your backup plan to Gavin Lux being hurt. Um, you know, to your point, Grant, about them being so good at, at finding these talented players and bringing, bringing the most out of them. Boy, I am really, really intrigued by what they do with Noah Syndergaard over there. Because you're, you're talking about a person who has gone through Tommy John, had the requisite struggles after it physically. And when I say struggles, not even necessarily results or whatever, but more like 
you're just not all the way back, right? You hear pitchers say it all the time. It takes a second. It takes a minute for your body to feel like you're all the way back to what it had been. Now, <clears throat> with that surgery, a lot of guys get there, fortunately, right? If Noah Syndergaard gets there, look out. Look out. There's a lot of shtick with Noah Syndergaard, right? In New York, especially, like, big, tall guy, like, the whole nickname, which I've always hated. Like, it's sort of so dorky, Thor. But what gets lost in all of that flash and bang showy stuff with him is that it's a smart pitcher who I think understands pitching at an advanced level more more than he probably got credit for again because it was very easy to see all the other stuff so this is a guy who I think he took less money to go there to Los Angeles again in deference to what you talked about Grant like the track record these guys have for bringing the best out of some players that, you know, are coming there because of, you know, maybe they're, they've had bad results, they've been hurt, whatever. He's a prime person for that, except he's got more raw tools than just about anyone. This guy, I mean, I watch him in the same game once hit a home run that went 430 feet, and he also hit 101 on the gun. Like, in, in, in like a seven-inning start in which he gave up like two hits or something, it was just like, holy cow, and like, does he ever have to get back there again? No, he probably won't. But if he gets anywhere close to that, he's already just on raw tools. So much further ahead of a lot of guys. So to see him end up with the Dodgers, with their track record for being able to extract performance from people, with less stuff, by the way, that's super intriguing and could be uh, huge for them when you look at the rest of the rotation. First comment, if you don't like the nickname Thor, don't be 6'6 with blonde flowing locks. <laughs> like that, I have no sympathy for a 6'6 dude with blonde flowing locks. Like, oh, why are they calling me Thor? No, dude, he that's... liked it. I think he oh, leaned okay. into it. I didn't. I just always thought it was just like, oh, God, this is it's so just, forced, you know? It's so much cleaner than uh, the guy at the end of Adventures in Babysitting. Like if you're an 80s movie head. Who are my people at? All right. No, but seriously, I heard reports that his velocity's looking good this spring, and that sets off warning klaxons to me. All of a sudden, you're talking about if this guy's throwing heat again, like you said, he's got better command than people give him credit mm -hmm. for. He's got his smarts. He's a, he's a good pitcher, like not just a good thrower. He's a good pitcher. And if he's throwing a little bit of heat again, I cannot remember who it was that told me that when they came back from Tommy John surgery, that it felt like they were pitching with someone else's arm, right? And that's not necessarily the case with everyone else. Everyone's timetable is different. But there's someone that said, I feel like I'm pitching with someone else's arm. And that stuck with me because not everyone's going to recover at the same rate. Not everyone's going to feel the same comfortability in their first year back. So, yeah, I that is a great point that he's someone to watch. He's someone to watch. And with the Dodgers... Uh, I don't know, man. I just feel they're still my pick to win the division. But we should probably move on because we're running out of time to the, these rascally Padres. Let me try and do an Andy impression. My pick, it, well, it, it, it's going to be the dads. It's going to be the dads in first. <laughs> it's not buying what the Dodgers did this offseason. The dads. All right. I think, I think that's Andy chiming in. It's going to be the dads in first. I'm pessimistic about that. If only because I, I, I uh, am a student of Padres history. And <laughs> like there is always a bear trap waiting for the Padres. There is always 
they are like Wiley E. Coyote and the baseball gods are just like giving them acne products. And they're like, oh, hell yeah, this this rocket on roller skates, like we are badass now. And then they just drive straight into a cliff. There's always something that gets the Padres. And that's not good baseball analysis, right? That's not looking at the players they have and, and ignoring well. the past. Like, you know, they don't give, <sighs> give a rip that... Uh, I don't know, Kilvio Veras did this in 1998. Like, that's not how baseball works. But to me, I don't care if it's bad analysis. It's just, I look at the Padres and I go, there's always going to be something. In fairness, it's not that hard to find that something with this club. For, for a team that was so splashy and got all this attention and obviously added great players, and in their case, committed to keeping some great players around. I don't know. What about the second half of this lineup? Huh? What, what about the second half of the starting rotation? You know, it's not crazy. Like, I mean, they're, this is a really good team. I think they're going to win the division. But, like, to your point, it's not even, like, I don't think it's that difficult to be like, yeah, this is, if it goes sideways, here's why. I guess I haven't looked at their lineup in a while because I was surprised to pop on there. And I forgot that Nelson Cruz was their DH. But then I, when I saw Matt Carpenter as their starting right fielder, I was like, what is... Okay, he's a placeholder for Tatis. I get that. That surprised me. Um, Matt Carpenter and his magic mustache uh, surprised me. But yeah, they are thin. They are thin at that back uh, half of the lineup. I figure they'll, they'll figure out the bullpen. Josh Hader, I have no idea what to make of him. I'm assuming he'll be... He seemed like he figured it out toward the end there, but that was weird. They'll have Drew Pomerantz back. But that back half of the lineup, what happens if there is a, an incident? Like, what if the, I say I say incident because Brian just put Joe Musgrove broke his toe in a weight room accident. Do your kids, like, hurt their feet and then you go, uh-oh, better call the tow truck? Like, do you have that dad joke in your arsenal? No, I don't. I, that's that's a good one, though. That, that's I, I'm gonna, dad. I'm going to stash that one away. Breaking <laughs> toe news. Very good. good. Showtime having fun with the Chiron. All right. So... Yeah, like, how about this? Let's go another one. Like, dude, what's up with Tatis? Okay, like, what version of Tatis do they actually get, especially early on? Because uh, he's not coming back until I think it's like April 20-something, right? So you're gonna you're starting the season without him, obviously, because of the suspension. But Dennis Lynn wrote something really good about this situation, and he likened shoulder surgeries to still being the most complicated in sports he's right and the analogy i think he used and this is i'd never seen this and it is wonderful it's like assembling a jigsaw puzzle without the benefit of having the box top to guide you all right so look tatis before he got hurt obviously god magnificent player i think the last home run he hit in the major leagues is, is a ball that hasn't landed yet he hit it out of dodger stadium all right. So like this, is, we all know are, are very familiar with the physical specimen that this guy is when he's right. Shoulder surgery, PD suspension, all the stuff. Man, like I just don't think it's a given that, you know, he's that obviously. I think there's a wait and see that has to happen here. And so what if he's really severely compromised or especially early on? it seems like the lineup depth becomes even, or lack thereof, right? Because you get to the bottom half of that, it becomes real dicey. You're just like, geez, what happens now? And like, that's, look, I think they're going to win the division, but we're playing devil's advocate here, right? Like the Padres are awesome, but like at this point, 
you know, part of it is taking a critical look at the things that can go sideways. And I think that's a big one, man. That's a huge, huge wild card, given the prominence um, of the player and, and his spot in the lineup. I err on the side of, nah, Tatis will figure it out. Like, I am mostly optimistic about his chances to just be the Tatis we know. I'm still very bullish on his career mm-hmm. for the next 10 years. He's got age on his side. Yeah, totally. Right. I mean, just uh, when getting the injuries, taking them into account, uh, okay, maybe he uh, dabbled a little bit with the PEDs. Okay, well, you know, maybe he was at a party and they're passing around some PEDs and he, he in a moment of weakness, <laughs> oh, we all been there. <laughs> just a punch bowl full. <laughs> like yeah. this is like a scene out of blow all of a sudden. Someone, like, someone's like, like, hit this, and it's like colostrum. <laughs> <and>, um, <laughs> but I, I err on on the side that he's going to be fine. But then I think of Cody Bellinger, and you're mm-hmm. talking about shoulders, That's right? right? In like shoulders, 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 shoulders. I still think he's he's back. I still think that's my hot, medium, spicy, not barely peppery take is that he'll be back. Uh, and then you'll have uh, Bogart, Soto, Machado, Tatis, some permutation in that lineup. That's bonkers. That is as good as anything the Dodgers have put out there. Sent in their run, like a four-player run, you're talking what's their best. I don't know what it is. Freeman, Betts, uh, Smith, Muncie, or whatever the, you, the best four of this Dodgers dynasty run. I think the Padres right now have a four-batter gauntlet that is uh, comparable to any of that. Uh, It's just going to be that back half of the lineup. And here's the difference between the Padres and the Dodgers to me that is substantial is that the Padres farm system is mostly empty for very good reasons because they've been getting good major league players, but there probably isn't going to be a major league cavalry coming out in San Diego. Whereas the Dodgers, all of a sudden you look up and Diego Cartaya is, is, you always got 30 homers and like 50 steals or something weird. Like the Dodgers, hey, you know, the Aristocats. I don't know (laughs) if the Padres can do that uh, with the minor leagues. And they're not necessarily the team like when the Giants had that 2021 run where you just assume that they're going to make players better. They're not taking Brett Anderson all the time and making him a weapon. They get players, which is great. That's probably the easier way to do it, is just go out and get Juan Soto because he's a badass. I don't see them triaging as well as the Dodgers this season. That would be why I'm picking the Dodgers over the Padres, is I trust the Dodgers to triage better. So now I'm, I'm going to go take the opposite end of this because I still think the Padres are going to win this division, all right? Juan Soto is going to be the hitter we saw in Washington. That's just going to happen, all right? And so you're going to see a spike in that guy's production. You know, we talk about the other parts of this lineup, right? Jake Cronenworth is still going to be hitting fifth for them. Like, that's that's pretty good. Um, he'll play a lot of first base, um, you know, but there's a versatility there that's going to help them out. You know, Trent Grisham, so long as he's getting it in center field, Right, like he's adding a ton of defensive value, so like you sort of shrug at that one. Kim playing second base, right? You wonder if like that plays up a little bit, you know, not being at shortstop, but we'll see there. Catcher is where the cavalry isn't coming for them, right? But Luis Camposano is already on the club, and so you kind of wonder there, right? Like, is this someone that can step in there and like take that and run with it? You know, if you know, with Austin Nola there, just sort of hasn't really taken that over and like there, there aren't any other options there right like Camposano becomes a really critical player for them I think as far as filling out the rest of the lineup now that said 
is possible. Like I see he's a good player. Like he can be a good player. It's not hard to envision that being okay at some point. I'm not saying that it will be, right? You got a young player, unproven, whatever, but I don't look at that situation a catcher for them as just like, oh my God, this is dire. They've got they've got no chance of like figuring out that spot in the lineup. I think they do. So yeah, man, like yeah, I think their lineup isn't as deep. Look, Matt Carpenter's resurgence to me is real. All right, like what happened with the Yankees and sort of what he did in the offseason, which is really well documented. The role that he'd be playing in this setup, I think, suits him. So, yeah, like you would think that these would be surer bets for the back half of the lineup, given all the hype and expectation. That said, I think they're not bereft of talent there either. I think there's enough to maybe piece it together. Um, so, yeah, like that's... I'm really high on these guys, you know? Like, I'm really, really high on these guys. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching him. And, look, I just admire the fact that they're going for it, right? Peter Seidler, like, they are just going for it. And I don't know, like, on a base level, I, you know, those are the teams you want to see do well. You want to see them be rewarded for the fact they're trying to win a World Series. They are, like, putting a great product out for their fans. They aren't using this excuse of being a small market. They're not using this excuse of being snake bitten really for a lot of their existence. So you're totally right about that. They have been. Well, all of that stuff they're not talking about right now. What they're talking about is getting great players there and keeping them. I'm all for it, man. That's great. I hope for, for the sake of just them putting that kind of expenditure in and committing those kinds of resources that they have a good year, that, that, that they're in it, that they are compelling and interesting. Um, because, yeah, there's also like a lot of like really good players that you want to watch on this club right now. I am a student of the Padres and their, and their history uh, for various articles that I've written. I did an essay in Baseball Prospectus uh, for last year's annual. I've written extensively on the Padres' history. And I did this thing where it was organizational droughts, the longest organizational droughts for every player or every team at every position. The last time they had a homegrown all-star at every position. And I went in to do this for all 30 teams because I'm a moron. And it took forever. And by the time I got to the Padres, it was appalling because their last homegrown position player to make an all-star team was Tony Gwynn in 1999. The last homegrown pitcher to make an all-star team was Jake Peavy in 2007. And you get five starting pitchers every year to have a chance to get that homegrown guy. They've never had a homegrown third baseman, never had a homegrown first baseman, never had a homegrown reliever in the All-Star game. Like, Ozzie Smith is the last shortstop that they developed who made the All-Star team. It's bananas. And then you get uh, the pain of, of uh, not, never having won a championship. They deserve, like, six championships in a row. They should go on a run that makes everyone sick of the Padres, and all of a sudden they're the Patriots, right? Remember when the Patriots <laughs> were a sad sack? Yeah. Like the Patriots, and they're like, oh, man. They oh, got they like were horrific. Horrific. Three-point stance logo, and like, oh, man, this team, get them out of the league. Stadium and sudden, sucked. They never won. Like, yeah. Like, they yeah, were brutal. And, and, and now they're just, you know, flipping off the rest of the league because of the darn Patriots. I want the Padres to do that. They earned it. Uh, I, I just don't think they will. I, I think... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We are over time, so we got to wrap up. Andy loves the dads. Andy loves <laughs> Apostrophe. the... Apostrophe. 
we're having fun with this new program. If you're listening to the podcast, you're not getting all this fun. Oh, we are on YouTube. Great. This is going to be on YouTube if you want to see um, my dogs snoring uh, and on my lap and stuff like that. There's also a little like crawl at the bottom. And I don't know, man, if if producer Brian, if he, he's got restraint, because I'd like throw like one like Rob Manford eaten by wolves like down there. I would just like put one weirdo on the crawl. So bless him. I just for- have like giant grizzly bear consumes bowl of PEDs. You know? <laughs> P-E-D the PED bear. bear. All right. This has been episode 40 of the round table. We will be back in a week to talk about the AL Central. Uh, at least some of us, you know, no help from Andy. Uh, But at least Mark and I, the real glue of the podcast, will be back. So we will see you then. Thanks for listening. My pick, well, it's going to be the dad's.